16 and Philippians 4:13, um, the 23rd Psalms. And so once you find your place there, it might be hard to find, but 23rd Psalm is right after 22nd Psalm. It's interesting, the 22nd Psalm really talks about the crucifixion of Christ, and then we get to the 23rd Psalm. This is a psalm written by David. They say he probably wrote this psalm in his later years uh, as a king. But David understood what it was to be a shepherd because he had been one. Matter of fact, it was out of the field that he was called to his house when Samuel was there, knowing that God had chosen a king from the household of Jesse. And he went through all, all, he put all the other brothers from the oldest all the way down and passed all of his brothers. And Samuel's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you got him? Well, we got one out in the field. He was the youngest, made to be out in the field. And so they called him in and Samuel knew that was the one that God had chosen. And so he understands what it is to be a shepherd. He understands what it's like uh, as far as sheep. Uh, what they need out of a shepherd. And so it's as David in his wise king years reflecting back and looking at all that God had done, and he wrote this beautiful psalm. And so Psalms 23 starts, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and Lord, we just thank you for this day. God, we just ask you, Lord, now to help us, Lord, to have our minds set firmly on you. Lord, we know that the devil has tried to distract us, uh, Lord, and, and uh, just tempt us that for our minds to, to go away from that which you have called us to today. So, God, we just pray, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord, to have our minds and our hearts fixed, Lord, on hearing your word. Father, we pray that this message will be about you and not about me, the preacher. Uh, and, Lord, we just preach upon the authority of your word stands for itself. And we know that if we would speak your word, your, your word says that it will not return void. And so, Father, we just thank you today for knowing what's already going to happen, God. And we just, Lord, we just thank you for it, Lord, and we stand upon the authority of it, uh, Lord. And we preach and we pray today, Lord, in the name of your beautiful Son, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can have, uh, you can be seated. As, you, as I said earlier, this is a psalm that is used, um, well, it's used in all kinds of occasions, I've even known football teams to recite the 23rd Psalms before they play and, and certainly used in times to comfort when we're in times of turmoil, in times of trouble, and in times of death. Uh, the beautiful words of this psalm have comforted many, many a person. But I want to challenge you today is does this psalm comfort you and are you comforted in the right way? And are you confident that He is your shepherd because this is what we, we, want, we want to look at this psalm. By the way, uh, C.H. Spurgeon said this. He said, I like to recall the fact that this psalm was written by David probably when he was a king. He had been a shepherd and was not ashamed of his former occupation. You know what's interesting about, we see this beautiful psalm that is set on the Lord is my shepherd. Realizing though, remember when, when, we, when we get close to Christmas time, we start talking about the birth of our Savior. And we know that the heavenly host came down and made its proclamation that that the king had arrived, amen, to the shepherds who were out in the field. Those shepherds, they were not allowed to testify in court, and they were considered the lowest of the low. But here we see that the Lord is our shepherd, amen. Uh, it's not about what men think about God. It's who God says He is, amen, that matters today. And David, looking back uh, on his time in the field being a shepherd with a sheep, uh, writes so fondly of what it's like to be a sheep uh, of the great shepherd. In the first line, we see the most important line of the entire psalm. And I, I want to spend a few moments on this first line. And you may not think this first line, well, it just, you know, just kind of makes a statement. 
But this first line is so important because if this first line is not true according to the Scriptures, as the Scriptures write, if the first line is not true for your life, then throw away the rest of the psalm because it is no good to you. It is not any value of you and it should not bring you comfort. And if you are comforted in it, it is a false hope and a false comfort because, listen, if the Lord is not your shepherd, amen, then the rest of it does not apply to you, amen? And so we look at the Lord is my shepherd. I remember back um, when I was in English class. Yes, I went to English a few times. I finished English in night school, by the way, so I could graduate with my class. Not supposed to be proud of that, but I passed. That's all that matters. Amen. I can tell you this. When you get to Shakespeare in night school, they go a little easier on you. They just let you watch the movie. All right. That's how I got through. But I remember in English class and we would talk about emphasis. Right, uh, an emphasis on a, on a particular word in a sentence. And, and I remember my teacher uh, wrote, and it was, a, it was a woman teacher. I'm just going to tell you that before I tell you anything else. It was a woman teacher. i never forget her. She didn't like me, uh, probably because I was not likable at the time. That's not her fault. It was mine. But I remember she wrote this sentence on a board, and she didn't put any punctuation on it. And she said, I want you to look at this sentence. And here was the sentence, I will never forget it. Now listen, you can be mad at me later, but don't be mad at me now. Amen, let me get through the message before you make a decision. The sentence was this, he beats his wife. Terrible sentence, right? She says, now look at this. Emphasis on whatever emphasis you put on whatever word and what punctuation you put at the end makes all the difference in the world. She says, I want you to read this sentence several times and I want you to, to, I want you to emphasize one word at a time, right? I want you to start off with the first word, he. He beats his wife. What does that sound like? Well, it sounds like we're not sure if it's he or someone else. And so it sounds like he He's the one who beats his wife. Then we emphasize the next one. He beats his wife. He beats his wife? It's a question of maybe he doesn't meet. Maybe he does something else, right? He beats his wife? And then the next one was he beats his wife? Now it sounds like a question of maybe he beats wives, but not just his. Maybe he beats somebody else's, right? Or he beats his wife? That makes it sound like he may beat the animals instead, but he beats his wife or he shorts his wife. Maybe, But you got to get the idea, right? That, that one little sentence, depending on what emphasis you put on it and depending on how you look at the words that are in that sentence, you could come up with a whole lot of things. But this, this sentence is very clear. No matter what word you emphasize in this sentence, it's still important. And the meaning is the same. And so I want to look at this sentence the Lord is my shepherd. And I want you to learn a term today. The term is this, Yehovah Raha. If you don't remember anything, I want you to remember that. Yehovah Raha. Because that is the most important thing. Nothing else in this psalm matters unless Yehovah Raha is a statement of your life. I can't make it your statement. Only you can. And so it says, the Lord. Right? Let's emphasize the. The Lord. What does that mean? It means it's the Lord. The only one. You see, a lot of people have a lot of shepherds in their life. And they may say that, you know, well, the Lord is my shepherd. But is the Lord your shepherd? Is He the one that is calling the shots? You see, sheep, they know their shepherd and the shepherd knows them. Jesus said that He was the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. And you see, the sheep can't have more than one shepherd. They get used to that shepherd's voice and that is the calming voice and that is the voice that they will listen to regardless of what's going on. They look for that voice and that voice alone. And so, do you have many things trying to lead you? Are you trying to follow many different paths? Or are you allowing other people to speak into your life that which is not pleasing to God? Are you allowing the world to speak into you? Or is the Lord your shepherd? Because if the Lord, singular one, 
most important Almighty God, if He is not your singular, only shepherd, then the rest of this psalm is not true for you. Then we say, the Lord. Now, if you notice here, the Lord is in all caps. You ever wonder why that is? The Lord is in all caps. You don't always see that. Sometimes you'll see the Lord with a capital L and then lowercase letters, O-R-D. But in this one, it's all caps. L-O-R-D in all caps. I don't know if you know what that means, but let me explain it to you. I was going to explain it anyway, by the way. It didn't matter whether you knew it or not. Anyhow, I was going to explain it. But for those of you who don't understand, you see the Lord in all caps. It means that God's, His formal name has been used. In other words, in the original Hebrew, He didn't say the Lord or the Master. There's a word in Hebrew called Adonai, which means Master. Right, and So just to kind of give you an understanding, uh, so I may call my dad dad or I may call him father. But in this instance, it would be like the Thomas, which is my dad's formal name. The Thomas Wesley Hoffmaster Sr. And that's real important. Why? Because, listen, Jewish people did not use God's formal name. When they wrote it, they would not write the vowels. They would not say Yahweh or Jehovah. Because God's name was too holy for them to utter out of their lips. And so theologians today say they still are not sure on how to pronounce Yahweh because no Jew has ever really said it. And it is not in the practice of saying it because they still hold His name as holy. Amen. I wish we went back to that. Amen. I wish God's name is holy across our land as well because His name gets to use in a lot of ways and most of them are not holy. But this is His formal name. So therefore, there is no, uh, there is no way to get this confused with any other name. This is the Yahweh. The one and only God. Now, if they were to use the word Adonai, it still may refer to God as Lord, but that would just be a capital L, then in lowercase O-R-D. That means when they say Adonai, it's referring to God. If you see lowercase Lord, all lowercase, that's still Adonai, but they're using it not for God, but for someone else. So it'd be like me using Father for my dad, Thomas Hoffmaster I, or using the difference of using father in re reference to my, my dad, or father in reference to my holy, almighty God, Father. So it's important that we understand when we start studying the, the Scriptures, amen? Because, listen, if you look at this in the right context, and when you see the all-caps Lord, then we know that, listen, there ain't no playing going on here. David wants to make sure that he is absolutely clear that he's talking about the Almighty God, the one and only self-sufficient, sovereign, holy, almighty God. And he is saying, the only Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, we've only gotten through the Lord so far. I know what you're thinking. This is going to be the longest short sentence of my life. Now, the Lord is. And so my question today, is the Lord your shepherd? You see that when it says the Lord is, it's not the Lord was my shepherd. It's not the Lord will be my shepherd. I'm asking you right now, is the Lord your shepherd right now as you sit right now? If God was to take you out of here in this one very moment, is he your shepherd? Because this only applies if he is your shepherd. That means now. Not wait until later, not until I get a little older. I'll start worrying about God things when I get a little older. Listen, I don't care how old you are, what it is you do, what grade you're in, it doesn't matter. Listen, God could call you to judgment right now just as soon as he could anybody else. You see, sometimes we're reminded when we have a death in the family or church family or, or a loved one, we're reminded that life here has an expiration date. But let's just face it, until that happens and shakes us in our boots a little bit, a lot of us just run around forgetting that we have an expiration date, forgetting that one day we'll stand before a holy, righteous God. 
with no excuses. There are no excuses that will work. None. We won't stand there and shake our fists. We won't stand there and say, I got a few questions for you, God. That is not how it works. We'll be quaking in our boots and we'll fall flat on our face. And only those who are covered by the precious blood of Jesus will be able to enter into rest that is provided by God and God alone. Is he your shepherd? The Lord is my the young people, make sure you understand this. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, whether he's your mom's shepherd or your dad's shepherd or anyone else does not matter. Is he your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I know that he is my shepherd because I have surrendered my life to him. But what about you? And especially young people, is he yours? Don't care whether he's your mom or dad's and they may drag you to church. Listen, I don't know about you, but I was drugged with church. I was drug in the church, drug out of the church. I mean, I was drug all the time. My mom was, oh man, when we were growing up. Seriously, we, what are we having on? What we, have, we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Saturday night, Wednesday night, and all of a sudden the Thursday we're getting drug. Why are we going to church on Thursday? We done been three times this week for the love of Pete. Why are we going? Well, the church down the road's having a special. Well, that's their church, not ours. Always in church. Listen, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. Until one day, I found myself in need of a holy God who loved me and who was willing to accept me as I was because everybody else had just about turned their back on me. Everybody else saw me and all they saw was trouble. But I can tell you from that moment on, I remember it was a Friday night. And the only reason I was in church that night, listen, was because I was asked to play music I was asked to be there, and I loved playing music, so I decided I would go. I had already had plans with my friends. After the service was over, I told them I'd be there a little late, but, you know, keep them on ice until I get there. And I remember sitting in the back, and a wonderful, wonderful man of God named uh, Ray Mullins was preaching, and I'll never forget, all of a sudden, God got a hold of my heart. He says, listen, I know you've been walking through these doors to play music and for everything else, but listen, when will you walk through for me? Because I'm telling you. I'm telling you, destruction is, is headed for you, and it is headed, I'm talking at top speed, and it's going to completely run you over unless you surrender your life. And that day, was a, that day was a whole new day for me when I knelt down at that old altar, and I gave my, listen, I gave my heart to the Lord. I wasn't perfect after that. It's not that I didn't struggle, not that I didn't sometimes fall along the way, but I was still his son. But listen, that night I settled it with the Lord, amen, and he became my shepherd. And so especially young people, I don't care whether your mom or dad serves him. What about you? Is he your shepherd? Because listen, when times get hard, you may have heard your mom and dad quote this song. You may hear them talk about, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I've been walking around all week, Tulsa. I had to practice that like a good preacher. Amen. I mean, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. I had to get this one right. Amen. Got to make sure I, I turn the preacher voice on and, and crank it up a little bit. Because that's the, oh, listen, when it comes to that one, yea, though I walk through the valley of, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. Listen, those beautiful words, they grip my heart and they give me comfort. But listen, if he's not your shepherd, then those words are not for you. And if they bring you comfort, it is a false hope. Because unless he's your shepherd, those words do not apply to you. Instead, you should walk in fear. And we are walking in the valley of the shadow of death every day. You should fear. You should be scared. And your heart should thump out of your chest right now. Why? Because without him as your shepherd, you're walking alone. And it's not death of this world you need to be scared of. It's the death that God talked about all the way back in the garden. He told him, you eat of this tree, surely this day you will die. And if God comes back or calls you out of this world without the Lord being your shepherd, then I can guarantee you will stand before him uncovered. And therefore, you will pay with your eternal life. The ultimate destruction and annihilation 
and you will suffer forever. I know what you're saying. I thought this was going to be a happy song. I'm getting to it. But the happiness is not for those who do not call him a shepherd. And I want to make that very clear. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. By the way, that word is Raha. That's what that word means. Jehovah Raha means God, my shepherd. Can you say that? Can you say Jehovah Raha? Is he your shepherd? You see, shepherd means that he's my leader, my overseer, my protector, my God, my fortress, my shield, and my buckler. God is everything to me. With him, I need nothing else. Can you say that this morning? You know, part of me wanted me just wanted to do the first sentence of this psalm and just give an altar call. Because I'm telling you, my heart hurts for those who don't know Jesus. My heart hurts for those who are playing church. And young people, my heart hurts for some of you who only come because you have to. And if you had your choice, you'd be somewhere else. But I'm going to tell you right now, listen, if you're not careful, you'll be wishing you were somewhere else for an eternity. I'm not trying to scare you into loving Jesus, but I'm trying to make sure you understand the reality of what happens when you don't follow Jesus. Because you will split hell wide open and there'll never be another chance. But I'm going to tell you, you know, when you look at the rich man and Lazarus and you look at that story, by the way, Jesus never said it's, you know, he never used it in a metaphoric way. So the only thing we can take that passage for is being truth because Jesus only spoke truth. He didn't, he didn't start it off as a parable saying heaven is like. He started that off saying there was a man which means that person really existed. And so when Jesus told the story about the rich man and Lazarus, he was giving us some insight. And when the rich man opened his eyes in hell, you do realize that he had his remembrance. He had his memory. He had and he knew what had slipped by him. And suddenly... This rich man who did not have enough compassion than to give the poor man the crumbs off his table suddenly had true compassion for his brothers that were still alive because he said, if you would go send back someone from the dead, they would believe. Suddenly, this man burning in hell become an evangelist, desiring and wanted somebody to reach his family. Why? Because people in hell do not have a party. And they do not wish for any of their loved ones to come there. But unfortunately, it's too late to tell any of them. It's important you understand that this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Raha. Can you say that this morning with all assurance and certainty? I hope you can. But listen, I'm just going to cover very quickly. We could take this psalm and probably spend weeks on it. And a good preacher like Kevin probably will someday. I didn't. Maybe someday I'll do it a different way. But for today, I think it's just important we understand the beauty of this psalm because there is comfort and there is joy. But when I look at this psalm, I don't look at it in a, in a somber way. I look at it in a rowdy way. I mean, Y'all you, you ever heard of Kurt Busch, the, the rowdy nation? They ain't too rowdy these days because he lost again last night. But that's beside the point. Uh, go Kevin Harvick. Uh, I think Kevin was driving a Ford, not a Chevy, just saying. Um, Dodgers, we got out of it just because we got tired of winning and everything. So it's no big deal. But he has rowdy nation. There's something about this psalm makes me want to get rowdy. Why? Because when I, when I see the joy that is in this psalm, it grips my heart. And I don't look at it in a somber way like we normally do at a funeral or memorial service, but I look at it as a way is that David saw the beauty of living with God as his shepherd, and he gives us a great understanding of the joy and the benefits we have when we can truly say, Jehovah Raha. Jehovah, my shepherd. 
You see, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I was a kid, I did not understand that. What do you mean, he's my shepherd and I don't want him? But I'm supposed to want God. I never understood that. I, I just, I, that, that, that thing puzzled me for years. I just, people would talk about, oh, and my grandma would quote the 23rd Psalms and she'd start crying, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I just, over like, I don't get it. What do you mean I don't want? I don't want him? That's not what we're saying. That's not what, this, that's not what it, he says. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. What does that mean? That means God will always provide that which we need. You see, we don't ever have to worry about not having enough. We don't ever have to worry uh, about being in need. Now, sometimes we think we are in need. We're just in, we're just in want. We're not really in need because I can tell you that how many of you here have a roof over your head and a warm place? Amen. How many of y'all are, are not you know too hungry today? I mean, if you are hungry, it's because you got up late. And you didn't eat something before you got here. And so don't be trying to rush me along in my sermon because you didn't eat breakfast. You'll have to wait for lunch till we're done. Amen. That's just the way it's going to be. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus said this in Matthew. By the way, I love when Jesus said in John, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay my life down for my sheep. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Why? Because, listen, He provides all that I need. Amen. The Bible says, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It all belongs to him amen and he supplies my need out of his riches because it all belongs to him amen by the way if I don't have it then I don't need it listen to me folks if you don't have it you don't need it let me repeat myself if you don't have it then you don't need it because the Lord will supply your need amen it's a lot of times it's our wants that gets in the way, amen? It's our wants that, that kind of grab a hold of us and we start praying to God and we'll listen and Satan will, will fight us into discouragement because we've been praying for something and we've been praying for something that we want instead of asking God what He wants and saying, God, I have listen, I will be content with whatever you give me. Praise God if I have to drive a Chevy, amen? Listen, I'll get in and pray before I started that I'll get to where I'm going. But if that's what you want from me listen then I'll drive the wheels off that thing amen why because he supplies all of my need according to his riches amen it's what he wants for my life that matters not what I want we spent too much of our lives not being content we spent too much of our life wanting for ourselves that which will do nothing but take us away from God and the whole time we're praying to get closer and God's saying listen you'll get closer when you start letting go of those things which I have deemed not for you and start being content in me. I shall not want. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He meets my needs. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory. If the Lord wants you to have a Lamborghini then daggone listen then listen, all of hell can't stop you from getting one. Amen. If that's what God wants for you. Is the Lord your shepherd this morning? And are you content with what he has for you? Maybe how little it is or how, how much abundance it is, it doesn't matter. Are you content being his? Does being a shepherd, I mean, does being a sheep in his fold... Does that satisfy you? Does that satisfy the longing that you have in your heart? Or are you trying to hold on to God, but also reaching out for what the world has? Somehow thinking that God has really not done you a solid yet because there's some other things you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Listen, I remember trying to get the big houses and all that stuff. Been there, done that. 
Only thing I want now is mag wheels for my house. Amen. I'm going to get me some old 1960s, 70s craggers and put on that thing. You know what I mean? I'm going to roll all oh, like a big fat hoss. You know what I mean? I'm going to get me some old longhorn horns for the front of that old Dodge if I have to. Listen, why? Because listen, I've had all this stuff. It never made me happy. All it did is made me work harder. It made me work harder. Matter of fact, it made me not thankful to God because I started to get to where I thought I was the one supplying it all. Not thankful that God had supplied me with the knowledge and the job that I had. I was starting to take credit. I know what you're thinking. How long is he going to take to get through six verses? As long as it takes. Verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. What does that mean, Pastor? Listen, it means that God gives us peace and rest. God knows the places and the times that we, His sheep, need rest and we need comfort. And He's able to provide that in His time when it's right. He will supply us rest. Well, Pastor, I, I don't know about that. Listen, I promise you, in the right time, He will provide you rest. He actually, listen, the first invitation, the first invitation we see from Jesus calling people into Himself is found in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30 says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's like, listen. I'm inviting you into myself. Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, amen, and who need rest, and I will give it to you. I will make you to lie down in green pastures, and I will restore your soul. Why? Because I am the great shepherd, and I know what you need, and I know where it's at, and I will guide you there to that moment and that time, and I will provide the peace and the rest that you need. It says he will lead us beside still waters. Remember, there's an old song by George Jones. Some of y'all looking at me funny right now. How could he tie in a George Jones song to a sermon? Watch me. I can't sing it now, obviously. Chris made me sing too hard. But it says, beneath still waters, there's a strong undertow. For the surface don't tell you how deep the water goes. You ever heard that song? It's a pretty song, actually. Why did I bring that up? Because, listen, the world will sell you a bill of goods and say, look at that still water. Isn't it great? And underneath, there's a riptide and an undertow that will suck you in. But God will not do that to you. He leaves me beside still waters, waters that I can trust. Why? Because he walks before me and he knows where it is and what it is. And he knows what it is that I need. And so he leaves me beside the still waters. Listen, God will bring you to a place that is calm and is just for you, cut out for you in the time which you need it. But listen, if you're in a time of turmoil, a lot of times we just keep praying for rest and praying for rest and praying for rest and praying for peace. You know what our prayer ought to be? It's like, God, all right, I'm in this time of turmoil and I've been praying for peace and I can't find it. So Lord, you know what my prayer is now? Show me what it is I need to learn in this time. And then when I have learned that lesson and I understand what it is you're trying to tell me, then I know that you will lead me and you will let me rest in green pastures and beside still waters. You see, sometimes I spend more time trying to get out of the problem than I do saying, God, obviously I'm in this moment. I know that you know how to bring me into green pastures. I know that you know as the good shepherd how to bring me beside still waters. And that's not where I'm at right now. So obviously that's not the time for me. So the time that I am in, I'm on this rocky path. And it seems like the water is rushing by. So God, what is it that you want me to learn in this time? Because I want to take in your lessons and I want to learn from you. Because I know that when this time is over, when this period is over, over, or this trial is over, I know that there is sweet rest for me beside still waters. Do you trust Him? Do you trust the fact that, that He can make you lie down in green pastures 
and beside still waters. Verse 3 says this, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now listen, this is where I start to turn the thing up a notch. Amen? I've already started to get rowdy, but this is where rowdy times two comes in because there is something so special in this verse three. First off, He restores my soul. How does He restore me? Because He makes me lie down in green pastures and because He leads me beside the still waters. Amen? At the time when God says it's right, He will lead you in those places. Amen? And in those moments when I'm in the green pastures, amen, when I'm in the still waters. Listen, He restores my soul and I can trust Him for today. But He goes on Father, and He says this, He said, but He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I don't know about you, but that, listen, that, that wets my whistle. Hey man, listen, it cranks up some air to my fire. Why? Because I know that God is not leading me because I deserve it. Amen. He's not leading you because you deserve it. I can trust God today that He's leading me in paths of righteousness not because I deserve it, not because I, in some ways that, it, that I've even desired it at times, but He will lead me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Amen. Because of His great name. It's not for me. And you can rest today knowing that God is never going to lead me astray because it's His name that is at stake, not mine. Amen. And because His name is great. Amen. I know that He will lead me in a right way. Amen. It's not because of you. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I sit in these old pews and I sit here and I'm like, Lord, why would you even leave me? Why would you even care about me? I know what I've done this week. I know what I live. I know what's going on in this mind. I know what's going on in this heart. I know how I failed you this week, God. But I know today, listen, that I take great refuge today because I know that it's not because I deserve it that he leads me. It's because he is great. Amen. His name is great. And he leads me because of his name is at stake and not mine. Amen. I should have made this two part. Listen what Samuel says in chapter 12 verse 22 of his first book. It says for the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. You remember when Moses stood in the gap for the people of Israel? And he said, Lord, if you destroy them, what are the people in Egypt going to say? They're going to say that you led them across the, 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 the Red Sea on dry ground. They're going, to, they're going to say that, Lord, that you did all that, but you couldn't save them in the wilderness. You led them across dry ground only to get them over here and let them die. Lord, think about your name. Now God let Moses go through that whole ordeal. God knew what he was going to do. It was Moses' heart that God was needing Moses to see. Because Moses then went to bat for Israel. Moses had been mad too. But then when God said he was going to destroy him, Moses was like, don't do that. But I love how he says, think about your name, God. And Samuel says here, that listen, he won't let anything happen to us because his name is at stake. I don't know about you, but that brings me comfort. Because if he's doing it for my name's sake, I done screwed mine up. Hey man, how about you? My name might be good for a few of you. But I know enough people around here that my name ain't worth a nickel. Because some of the things that I've done in my life. But I'm not standing on my merit. Amen. And God's not saving me because I deserve it. He's saving me because he loves me. And his name is at stake. So I don't have to worry about God leading me into destruction. Somehow uh, taking vengeance on me because I've messed up this week. Because I've failed to, to glorify him this week. I've failed to praise him this week. I have failed to speak wonderful of his name. Listen, he's, he's not going to lead me astray because I failed him this week. He's going to continue to lead me in paths of righteousness because of his name. Does that give you peace? Knowing that it's not for me, it's for him. Verse 4 says, oh, this is the preacher verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now listen, I want you to think about when you walk through a valley, anything higher than you, amen, has a better, has a better chance. You ever thought about that, walking through a valley? Imagine that you're a sheep walking through a valley with no defense at all. They have no defense mechanisms. They have no way to defend themselves. And they're walking through the valley. And listen, wolves and, and animals of predator-type nature are up on the hills. And anything that is above you in footing has the advantage. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm walking through life. And everybody else around me has advantage. Everybody else seems to have a, a better footing. And, and I feel like I'm walking just right through the middle of the thick of everything in the shadow of death is, is just overshadowing me and trying to block out the light that wants to shine into my life. But listen, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not just talking about physical death there. It's talking about the death, the one that God said back in the garden that will happen to all of those who are not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil. Why? Because listen, evil is something that man intends, but not God. Amen. Man intends evil on people, but not God. But yet God can take that which man has set out to do evil, and he can use it for good. Why? Because everything that my God does, I, listen, is good. Why? Because he defines good. Amen. He defines it, not you. Everything that God allows has a purpose. It doesn't mean it'll feel good, taste good, or even seem good. But I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear evil. Why? Because even the evil that man intends for me to hurt me and to abuse me, if God allows it to happen, there is a purpose. But God knows how to defend me and how to take care of me. And I could walk even through the deepest valley in my life. And I have no fear of evil. Why? Because God only does good. Amen. God only does good. Joseph looked at his brothers and said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Me and Butchie was talking about that yesterday. Amen. I've, my heart started to swell up. We started talking about the Lord. We wasn't going to get no work done up in that mug. We started talking about Jesus, man. Amen. Listen, oh, we started talking about, listen, things that God, that man makes for evil, God can use it for good. Why? Because he is almighty, sovereign God. Now listen, you have the free will to make those decisions. Men have the free will to choose evil. And God may allow it to happen. God can stop it if he wants to, but God allows it to happen. Why? Because it has a purpose. Pain has a purpose. Amen. Your body, the pain you feel in your body has a purpose. When you're in pain, it's your body speaking to your brain and saying, hey, quit doing that, idiot. That's what it means. You ever been to a doctor and said, doctor, it hurts every time I do this. Quit doing that. Here's your bill. When your body gives you pain, there's a purpose for it. It's your body telling you something's wrong. God allows pain for a purpose. There are some things we'll never understand. There's some pain, like pain of loss, I'll never understand it. I know that it has a purpose, but I won't understand it. Why God takes people that we love, I don't know. But I know this. God defines good. And not me. It says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is good and he is always with me. And the evil that comes to, to, to within the intent of hurting me won't. But it says that not only this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You ever seen, a, you ever seen them people walk with them sheep that have that big cane? Right? They got that big staff and they use that staff to guide the sheep in one way or another. Right, and, and so the staff is about leading. It's about guiding us in the right ways. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Why? Because thy rod and thy staff, they come from me. Your staff will lead me in the places that I need to go. You'll take me around those dangerous places and you will make sure that I'm in a place of sure footing. Why? Because you are the good shepherd, almighty God. Amen. Jehovah Raha. He is my shepherd and I can, listen, I can depend on him. He will lead me where I need to go. But it says also the rod 
rod. The rod is for correction and protection. Amen. You need to remember that the rod is for correction and protection. Listen, correction, sometimes sheep will, they, you know, you'll try to guide them with the staff and they won't listen. That's when the shepherd breaks out the rod. Amen. And he'll hit them with the rod, give them a little pain. But why? To get their attention so they come back. But you know what a shepherd will do to the sheep if he continues to try to leave the pack? Because he knows that that sheep is eventually going to get eaten by something if he keeps running away from the fold. Listen, the shepherd loves them so much that they'll take that rod and he'll break the leg of that sheep. Why? Because Jesus said, Jesus said, listen, he says, listen, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better to go, in, to, go to heaven maimed or it's better to go to heaven with your eyes missing than to have all your stuff and be thrown into hell. A shepherd will break a sheep's leg if he has to. He'll take that rod. And the rod is usually they'll find a tree somewhere out in a pasture, a small tree, you know, about yay big around, and they'll pull it up by the roots and, and they'll kind of take a rock and they'll grind the, the roots off and kind of make it into like a root ball and it, you know, has some substance to it. And they'll carry that rod and they practice throwing it. So if something starts coming near the sheep, they can throw it and use it as a weapon and protect them to get the predator to go away. But sometimes he'll use that same rod of correction on his own sheep and break his leg. Why? Because that sheep is better to have a broken leg and still be whole than to be out there and be eaten by the ravenous wolves. God loves you that much. We live in a time now where we don't want our kids to experience any pain whatsoever. Whether it be physical, emotional, you name it. We got to give trophies to everybody. Participation trophy. I can remember back when we got cut off the team. Y'all remember that? You remember back when not everybody made the team? Millville Giants, I will never forget it. I got cut. Because they said I wasn't no good at baseball. It hurt. It was my uncle that cut me. You know what's bad when family won't even keep you on the team. I'm like, can't you just let me sit at the bench and wear one of them trucker hats with a G on it? Now they get, they get uh, now the kids get uh, uniforms that look like the pros. We wore blue jeans. You're lucky if you had a pair of cleats. Most people didn't. And, and you regular old blue jeans, and you had a, a T-shirt that had a G on it, and a trucker hat that had a G on it. And that's all you had. There was always that little person on the team whose hat was on that last, pull it all the way in, that last little notch on the back, and his whole hat would be all folded up back there and taped so it didn't fall apart. And then you had big-headed people like me where they ordered a kid's hat, but I didn't have a kid head. And so they, I'd be on the last one out. I was like, can't you just let me sit the bench and just be like I'm on the team? You ain't got, you ain't got, no, if you're going to play, you got to play. And, and son, uh, you just, you ain't no good. I'm glad y'all get pleasure out of my pain and hurt. I'm still kind of sore over it a little bit. When your uncle cuts you, it's bad, ain't it? It's bad. But you know what? Best thing ever happened to me. You know why? I did not attempt baseball again. Why? Because I was terrible at it. And that pain of that let me know that, you know what? Baseball wasn't for me. Maybe there was something else I could do, and that's when I really got into music. Ain't you thankful? But then later on, I decided to break out my baseball skills again when we decided to have a church softball team. And do you know they, they would rather play with one less player than let me play on the field? Do you know that's what he did? I ain't pointing out Chris or anything. I'm not pointing out, Coach, Chris. We had 10 with me. He says, we can play with nine. Will you keep the book? There I was, counting runs. What inning are we in, Huff? How many runs we got? One, two, three, four, five, seven. That's all I was good for, keeping the book. And I screwed it up half the time. He made other people check my math. So that was the Lord telling me again, son, didn't you learn enough from the Millville Giants? Didn't you learn enough down there in Millville? I don't, we called that a field. That wasn't a field. BG played down there. You know, it was, a, it, was a, it was by the quarry. It was rock dust they had left over. They put on a field. Y'all, you come out with cuts all over. It was terrible. 
It's like the Lord saying, didn't you learn enough in Millville? Now you got to try it again in Inwood. What do you think? A, another geographical location is going to change your skill level? Sometimes, sometimes you, you need your leg broke. But you know what the beauty? I read, I read about this quite a, quite a few years ago. It was called From the Shepherd's Point of View. Matter of fact, uh, Jeannie used to sing a song that had the same title. From the Shepherd's Point of View. See, a shepherd would take that sheep and he would break his leg, but that's not where he stopped. He didn't let that sheep just wander around with the rest of the pack hobbling like Chris does on Sundays. No, he would take that sheep, he'd break his leg, but then he would set it. And he would wrap it up. And he would put that sheep on his back. And he would carry that sheep until he was whole again. And the bond that was made through the pain of that correction made him closer to the shepherd. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful he loves you? I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me because you love me enough to not just hand me a participation trophy. You love me enough to tell me the truth and even inflict pain on me when necessary because my soul is worth more than a bum leg. Amen. And sometimes God reminds me that my soul is worth more than a bum neck and a bum spine. He loves me more than that. He loves me enough to listen to my crying, my complaining, and all the while saying, my grace is sufficient for you, Huff. I know you think you can't go another day. I know you think that you just can't, you just can't stand just another week. You can't stand another day or another hour of the pain. But listen, Huff, my grace is sufficient for you. It was sufficient for Paul. It'll be sufficient for you. I may have to hobble a little bit, but listen, the time that I spend with the shepherd because of the pain, listen, is worth all the more than anything that I can gain out of this world. Why? Because he keeps me close to him. And if pain is the way he does it, then listen, then I want to be close to him regardless. We're almost done. Verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and your cup. My cup overflows. Look at this. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I know time's getting away from us. And I thought about not showing this, but I want to show you a video.